Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Ah, good day, tokers and tokens And non-token lovers of liberty It is Friday, December 18th, 2015 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world it's also got to be our last show of 2015. It's been one hell of a year. Thank you so much for being a part of it and joining with us from the beginning to the end. We've got uh, so many great memories and so many great people that we met on the road. Spent 100 days on the road this year, 60,000 air miles, and there's plenty more travel coming up in 2016. We are working diligently here at CannabisRadio.com to put together the Legalize America Tour. That's right, putting me on the road, doing the Russ Belville Show from sea to shining sea, doing presentations, questions and answers, town halls, museums, demonstrations, whatever else we can think of. And if you'd like to get involved with this, uh, please let me know. You can find me at Radical Russ everywhere. I'm on Gmail, so you can Gmail me if you want. And uh, if you've got a company, a brand, or just any ideas or help that you'd like to uh, contribute to the Legalize America Tour, please let me know. We're hoping to uh, take off by February and crisscross this country. My hope is to visit all 48 of the contiguous United States by the time we hit the November 2016 election. So help me do it, and we will bring the truth about cannabis to all the people across America. All right, coming up on the show today, a very special show, because we've been leading up to this guest. Over the past five shows, we've covered the California, Arizona, Nevada, Maine, and Massachusetts initiatives to legalize marijuana in 2016. Four out of five of those, everything but the California initiative, are backed by the Marijuana Policy Project. And joining us at half past, we've got Mason Tavert, the communications director of the Marijuana Policy Project. We'll be talking to him from his office in Denver, Colorado, and discussing those four initiatives in Nevada, Arizona, Massachusetts, and Maine. I'll ask him some questions, and we'll get the prognosis on whether they'll make the ballot and how the polls look. So stay tuned for that. We'll follow that up with the Radical Rant, where I'll talk a little bit more about the prognosis for legalization in 2016 and beyond. Also coming up on the show in the Drug War Data Mines, we're going to take a look at the toughest marijuana laws in the United States. I've selected 10 of the 50 states that I believe have the toughest marijuana laws, and it depends on how you want to look at it. There's a couple of different categories we're going to look at, uh, personal possession, hash, cultivation, and driving, and show you where the worst places are in America to get busted for any of those things. Also coming up on the show today, in Behind the Headlines, there is a new anti-drug service uh, campaign. This one's coming out of Australia. It's called You're Worse on Weed, hashtag stoner sloth 
And while it's a video ad campaign, I'll, <laughs> I've just got to bring some of it to you because it's some of the funniest damn things I've ever seen since this is your brain on drugs. So stay tuned for that coming up right after our cannabis radio news. And in the headlines today, we've got a huge announcement from the U.S. Postal Service regarding advertisement of marijuana. We've got an update in Massachusetts on the signatures for their legalization plan. We've got an update from New Hampshire where a medical marijuana patient sued to get a card, the only card in New Hampshire. Also, an update from here in Oregon where the Warm Springs tribe has voted on whether or not to grow marijuana on their Oregon reservation. And we've got a story from Oakland involving a TSA official helping to smuggle weed out of the Oakland International Airport. It's all coming up today, plus Hour 2 Toker Talk Radio will take your calls at 971-533-7111. we got an update on Pharma Bro as well. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The son of a Polish immigrant who grew up in a Brooklyn tenement. He went to public schools, then college, where the work of his life began, fighting injustice and inequality, speaking truth to power. He moved to Vermont, won election and praise as one of America's best mayors. In Congress, he stood up for working families and for principle, opposing the Iraq war, supporting veterans. Now he's taking on Wall Street and a corrupt political system, funded by over a million contributions, tackling climate change to create clean energy jobs, fighting for living wages, equal pay, and tuition-free public colleges. People are sick and tired of establishment politics, and they want real change. Bernie Sanders, husband, father, grandfather, an honest leader, building a movement with you to give us a future to believe in. I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message. MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on mjwellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out mjwellness.com today. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Friday, December 18th, 2015. The U.S. Postal Service says it's illegal to mail materials containing advertising for marijuana products, even in states that have legalized the federally controlled substance. The policy statement released this week comes in response to a letter from Oregon's congressional delegation asking the service to clarify its policy on the issue. In November, a memo distributed in the Portland Postal District said it was unlawful for newspaper outlets to run marijuana ads and use the U.S. mail for delivery. 
The memo caused confusion among publishers whose newspapers have published ads for dispensaries and manufacturers in the region. Thomas Marshall, Executive Vice President and General Counsel of the Postal Service, wrote in a letter to the delegation, quote, Advertisements for the sale of marijuana are non-mailable, end quote. That's because under the Federal Controlled Substances Act, marijuana sale is prohibited, he said. That same law also prohibits placing written ads for controlled substances like marijuana in newspapers, magazines, and other publications. The Massachusetts Secretary of State's office today certified 70,739 signatures submitted by the campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol, clearing the way for the petition to move forward toward the 2016 state ballot. The petition will now be transmitted to the Massachusetts legislature. If the legislature does not adopt the measure, initiative backers must collect 10,792 additional signatures in June 2016 to place the initiative on the November 2016 ballot. If passed, the measure will legalize personal public possession of an ounce of marijuana, home possession of 10 ounces, home cultivation of six plants per adult to 12 plants per household, and possession of all the marijuana harvested, as well as a commercial marijuana system with 3.75% state taxes and up to 2% local taxes. A New Hampshire cancer patient who took her home state to court to get a medical marijuana card is coming to Maine to pick up her medicine. New Hampshire approved use of marijuana by people suffering from certain conditions more than two years ago, but the first dispensaries aren't open yet. Linda Horan argued in court that she might not live long enough to see them open. Wellness Connection of Maine co-founder Becky DeCoyster says it will be a great honor to serve Horan on Friday in Portland, Maine. New Hampshire Public Radio reports the New Hampshire Attorney General is advising the state's Department of Health and Human Services to start issuing medical marijuana ID cards to eligible patients. New Hampshire Public Radio reports the state health department has received about 70 applications. Members of the Confederated Tribes of Warm Springs have approved a plan to build a facility to grow marijuana on their reservation in central Oregon and sell it at tribe-owned stores outside the reservation. The vote comes a year after a U.S. Department of Justice policy indicated tribes could grow and sell pot under the same guidelines as states that opt to legalize. The tribe is one of the first in the country to enter the pot business. Tribal officials said about 80% of tribal voters favored the proposal. More than 1,400 of the 3,300 eligible voters turned out for the referendum Thursday. Warm Springs' plan is to build a 36,000-square-foot greenhouse to grow and process cannabis. Officials expect the project will create more than 80 jobs. Net revenue from the three proposed tribal-owned retail stores in the Portland and Bend areas would top $26 million annually. Federal charges have been filed against a Transportation Security Administration officer suspected of using her position to allow marijuana to be smuggled aboard planes at Oakland International Airport, authorities said. Kiana Scott Clark, age 28, of San Mateo, was arrested Wednesday on a federal grand jury indictment, charging her with conspiring to distribute controlled substances and conspiring to defraud the United States by obstructing, impeding, and interfering with aviation security functions of the TSA. She was scheduled to appear in federal court Friday. According to a federal Department of Justice news release, Clark operated an x-ray machine at the Oakland airport, Authorities said the smuggling went on from at least September 2013 through October of this year and involved 100 kilograms or more of marijuana. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Friday, December 18th, 2015. I'm Russ Belville.
Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your Cannabis 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPAs Cannabis Finance Bootcamp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. The Russ Belleville Show, where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Welcome back, everyone. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we're taking a look at a new anti-drug campaign uh, highlighted by Huffington Post today in their weird news section. This comes from the New South Wales uh, Department of Premier and Cabinet, and the ad campaign is called You're Worse on Weed, and the hashtag is Stoner Sloth. And they don't mean sloth as far as the verb to be, uh, you know, lazy. I mean, they do kind of mean it that way. They mean an actual sloth. They mean an actual sloth. And it features three videos that uh, one of them's a family at dinner, another one's kids uh, in school, and a third one is a party situation where uh, the good normal kids are having a regular, regular old time. And when they turn to the kid who is the marijuana user it's not a kid it's a sloth it's a person in a sloth costume who uh can't do the most basic of functions let's go to the dinner table now where the stoner sloth can't even pass the salt jason could you pass the salt please darling the poor stoner sloth can't even reach over to grab the slot salt. salt. The family is very disappointed. Stone of sloth. You're worse on weed. Hashtag stoner sloth. And it just illustrates to me, you know, the anti-drug people are already kind of squares as it is. And the only thing that makes them more square is when they try to be hip on social media and try to make viral videos. These are going to go viral, all right, but not for the reasons they want them to go viral. People are laughing at these so much so that when I tagged Randy Lee, the head of, uh, of uh, Project Sam in Oregon, even he hates these videos. It's the first thing that we could agree on <laughs> is how stupid these videos are. Here's the second one uh, where the kids are taking a test in school. Okay, time's up. Pens down. Delilah. Pens down, Delilah. Mm. Mm. 
Lila has failed her test. Once again, another stoner sloth. You're worse on weed. Hashtag stoner sloth. <laughs> it's just, these are wonderful. And you can find these online. It's stonersloth.com.au for Australia. Stonersloth.com.au. We take you now to the uh, final scenario where the stoner sloth is at a party. So I told her she cannot wear socks and sandals out of the house anymore. It's <laughs> so funny. What do you think, Dave? Stoner sloth. Yes. You're worse on weed. Hashtag stoner sloth. And uh, yeah, I think uh, the stoner sloth is going to go viral, folks. And you really got to see the costume. I encourage you to visit stonersloth.com.au and and see the actual sloth costume with the uh, six-inch sloth claws. And the <laughs> it looks like uh, it looks like Chewbacca's uh, disabled brother or something. I don't know what the hell's going on with this thing, but it's hilarious and once again shows how the anti-drug forces out there uh, just keep shooting themselves in the foot. These kind of ads in the United States were run for years and years. I mean, you remember the the cartoon dog that would leave you and you know the alien that would take your girlfriend and uh, the talking dog and all that kind of stuff. The federal government studied this and found that those ads didn't work. In fact, in some cases, they were more likely to make a kid want to try drugs. Kids are smarter than this. They can Google the real harms of marijuana or cannabis, as they say in Australia, and know that this is bunk. What are you people? On dope? Yes, we're all stoner sloths says the guy who puts in 10 to 12 hour days and writes eight articles a week and produces 10 hours of content a, a week and travels 60,000 air miles a year. And, <laughs> yeah, I'm one hell of a stoner sloth, aren't I? Happy 420. Thinking of you, Maddie. Back in the mountain time zone. We'll see you soon. Get dot buzz. Dot Buzz is the internet platform that fuels community interest, excitement, and new experiences. Dot Buzz is the premier online destination for internet users seeking the latest news on a variety of topics. Dot Buzz appeals to groups active in blogging, communications, journalism, advertising, and marketing. Dot Buzz offers registrants a stronger alternative to the shrinking namespace of existing top-level domain names, such as .com, .net, and .org. Get your name now at get.buzz. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I also believe we need a fence. The problem is if El Chapo builds a tunnel under the fence, we have to be able to deal with that, too. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? 
Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's orders. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. All right, today in the Drug War Data Mine, we are taking a look at normal.org slash laws slash your state. That's right. This is a, one of the best archives you can get online is the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, which has 51 different listings, all 50 states plus D.C., on their marijuana laws for possession, for cultivation, for uh, drugged driving, uh, all, all the things you want to know about your state are right there. And they provide links to the, the statutes online. So if you want to look up the actual laws, you can do that as well. So, for example, if you want to look up California law, you'd go to normal.org slash laws slash CA. And you can have all the California laws. There'll be links to click, and you can find out everything you want to know. Well, today, in preparation for an article I'm writing for Cannabis Culture, I'm going to highlight 10 U.S. states with the toughest marijuana laws in the country. Where are the 10 places you'd least likely want to be as a regular cannabis consumer? And it varies here as to the reason why I'm uh, putting these on the list. And the first one we're going to start with is the state of Wyoming. Now, the state of Wyoming, comparatively speaking, doesn't really have too bad of marijuana laws. Uh, it's uh, you know misdemeanor for you to get uh, uh, your uh, basic possession charges, and uh, I think they've even got a, a misdemeanor when it comes to their uh, cultivation charges. You have to have over three ounces to get a felony, uh, and any cultivation is a misdemeanor. So might be wondering, well, gee, what is the problem with the state of Wyoming? Well, Wyoming is one of four states where you can get busted for marijuana without actually having marijuana. Yeah, it's very, very strange. Wyoming has a statute for persons under the influence. It is a misdemeanor. You can get six months and $750 fine for that. Just for being under the influence of marijuana, not actually having any marijuana on you. The same thing exists in my home state, neighboring Idaho. Use or intoxication in public in Idaho is a misdemeanor that can get you six months or a thousand dollar fine. Idaho is also tougher than Wyoming when it comes to marijuana cultivation. Cultivation of even a single marijuana plant can get you a felony it has a one-year mandatory minimum and $50,000 fine. Now you know why I left Idaho. New Jersey is another state that will punish people for merely being high. Being under the influence of marijuana is a misdemeanor that can be punished by six months, just like uh, Wyoming and Idaho, 
a fine of $1,000, just like Idaho, but also loss of public housing, potential eviction from leased premises, loss of driving privileges for not less than six months, mandatory loss of driving privileges for two years if the marijuana was in your vehicle, so if you were under the influence in your vehicle, a term of community service, a mandatory $75 safe neighborhood service assessment, a mandatory $50 lab fee, a mandatory $50 victims of crime compensation penalty, a mandatory $500 drug enforcement demand reduction penalty, and a period of probation for up to five years. By the time you have paid all of those penalties, you've paid $1,675 just for being high and gotten kicked out of your house and can't drive anymore. But the state that does the worst for punishing people merely for having smoked marijuana, not possessing it, is the state of South Dakota. In South Dakota, they have a curious law called internal possession, where you can be busted for the possession of the metabolites in your system. Even if you didn't smoke marijuana in the state of South Dakota, you could, you could fly to Colorado Enjoy 420 weekend. When you get back to South Dakota, if for any reason they end up taking a P-test from you, you can be busted for internal possession, get a misdemeanor with a year in prison and a $2,000 fine. Now, another way where these United States uh, often differ and sometimes tragically so on their punishments has to do with concentrates or hash or hash oil, however you want to think of it. In South Dakota, where, again, you can get busted just for having metabolites in your system, if you are in possession of any hash, it is a felony with 10 years, $20,000 fine. Texas, any hash on you, less than a gram, felony, 180 days to two years, and a $10,000 fine. In Florida, possession of hashish, any amount, is a felony, five years, $5,000 fine, and a lifetime loss of your right to vote. Pretty, uh, you can get it back, but hardly anybody ever does. And yet another way where the states differ and in their punitive measures against cannabis consumers is in their DUI laws. In Utah, there is a per se DUID for marijuana metabolites. And if you fail it, it's a class B misdemeanor with 48 hours mandatory minimum in jail. Georgia has a similar law, DUI, if you have any amount of metabolites in your system, and that can be a fine of up to $1,000, incarceration for up to 10 days to 12 months with a mandatory minimum of a day. Oklahoma, you can get a life sentence for converting marijuana into hash or concentrates. And Arizona, the worst state for marijuana consumers, any possession amount can be a felony. Any metabolite in your system while driving is a per se DUID. Jail for 10 to ten days to six months. So be very careful, folks. Check me out on CannabisCulture.com, and we'll have all of these states posted up there, plus the links to all these statutes. Also, uh, just now that I'm thinking about it here, in uh, Oklahoma... Possession of any amount of marijuana is a crime subject up to a year incarceration. A second conviction for possession in Oklahoma is a felony penalty of two to ten years. And Georgia, possession of any amount of hashish, felony, one year mandatory minimum, $5,000 fine. There's still a whole lot 
of work to do here in this great country before we see true cannabis freedom for every American citizen. We're back with Mason DeVert from MPP right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of the Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. This is the Russ Belleville Show, annoying Kevin Sabat since 2012. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Activism begins with ACT. The Russ Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. Welcome back, everyone. 31 after the hour. Joining us by telephone from Denver, Colorado, we've got Mason Tavert from the Marijuana Policy Project on the line. How you doing, Mason? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Yep. Happy holidays to you and everyone out there. Uh, we're really excited. Uh, we're moving into 2016, and I announced this on the uh, the headline news, but maybe you can give us a little more detail on the latest update on voting or uh, signature totals from Massachusetts. Uh, Yeah, well, today we learned that the signature drive was successful and that enough valid signatures of registered voters were collected to move on uh, to the next step. And in Massachusetts, that that means that our initiative will be sent to the legislature, which has the option of adopting it. And if they don't, there will be a brief signature collecting period uh, this summer, I believe in June, where we'll have to collect another 10,000 or so valid signatures at which point the measure will be on the ballot. So this is really a, a big hurdle that we've just crossed. Now, is there a reasonable chance that the legislature might enact this? And, and if they did, isn't their governor pretty opposed to this stuff? Well, reasonable and legislature don't often go together. <laughs> us, so uh, I would say that uh, it's highly unlikely that we would see the legislature adopt the measure. So we are really going forward with every expectation of, of having to campaign hard to to pass this measure at the ballot box in November. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, as far as November goes, we're looking really good here. We've been discussing this all week and how uh, Marijuana Policy Project's backing four different initiatives that look like uh, they're going to make the ballot. Nevada's already on the ballot. Arizona, can you tell us where we're at with Arizona? Yeah, Arizona's looking really good. We've got uh, uh, over 125,000 signatures now. Our goal is to get 230,000 to make sure we have enough to qualify. 
and uh, I believe about 150,000 ballots are needed. So uh, from from all reports from that campaign, it's going incredibly well. There's a lot of excitement. Signatures are being collected a lot faster than expected, so that's really uh, looking good right now. All right, so Nevada is on the ballot. Arizona's looking good. Massachusetts just cleared its first hurdle, and Maine's an interesting situation. Uh, if I understand correctly, this is the legalized Maine language, but you guys are backing it as the Kremla campaign. Or Can you sort that out for me? Sure. Well, there were two uh, competing initiative campaigns. There was legalized Maine, and then there was the campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol, and Really, the initiatives are quite similar. There are some differences uh, in terms of possession levels and in terms of which government agency will be overseeing the regulatory process. But ultimately, both initiatives established a system in which marijuana would be regulated and, and taxed and so on. So they're essentially very similar. Uh, it became clear that it would be best for these for one initiative to move forward, and both groups came together. We've been talking for quite some time, and it was agreed that we would move forward united behind one initiative. That initiative would be the legalized main initiative, but it will be the campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol that everyone's going to get behind in, in support of it. All right. So and, and it the, is the campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol. And the signatures on that one? Uh, we need to collect uh, about uh, another... 30 or 40,000 more, I believe, over the next uh, month. We've gotten until roughly the end of January, but from what I hear, things are going well. There are petitioners out there. It's really just a matter of, uh, you know, hoping the weather holds and that people are able to get out there and collect and, and wrap it up, but uh, things are going pretty well. All right. Well, let's dig deep into some of these things because I have questions about all of them, and before we do, let me let you know that I support them all. Legalization always trumps prohibition, but there are aspects that probably deserve a little bit of discussion. And the first one for me would be the legalization on the ballot in Nevada, while at the very beginning it promises that adults have the right to cultivate six plants up to 12 plants per household. Later down in the penalties, it penalizes anyone who does so within 25 miles of a licensed retailer. Can you explain why we would put this 25 mile halo in the Nevada law? Ultimately, while the initiative was being was being put together, and it came down to a lot of people believing that it was going to get far more support. That right now, people in Nevada are not going to be very supportive of allowing adults to grow marijuana. So we wanted to make sure people had access to marijuana, meaning they could live near a store, purchase marijuana, and if they didn't, they'd be able to grow it themselves. One really important thing to keep in mind is that, you know, just like we've seen with other initiatives, this is really setting a a floor of what's going to be allowed. So, you know, under this initiative, people will be able to possess marijuana. If they don't live within 25 miles of the store, they can grow it. And we have no doubt that we're going to see these, these laws evolve over time. But right now, it just seems that voters in Nevada appear as if they would like to see a little, a little more restrictiveness on that side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes uh, people on our side that are, you know, we, we know the truth about the cannabis plant and we think it ought to be, you know, much more legal and they get uh, they get a little confused and they don't understand these things and see that there's, you know, political meaning behind them. There's a reason why these things happened. And I would like to add to your point about the evolution of these things because a similar situation happened when you guys were pushing the uh, Arizona medical marijuana law, which had a, a, 20, a similar 25-mile halo. Am I understanding correctly that the Arizona law, which does give the right for six plants per six plants, then a household limit of 12, uh, will 
counteract that in Arizona? Like the the twenty five mile halo may die in Arizona thanks to legalization. Yeah. So in Arizona, we've come to find that now voters are really a lot more understanding of of these laws. They recognize it has not been an issue, and so that law does allow for adults to grow limited amounts of marijuana and. If you're a patient and you're an adult, then you will not have to worry about that whole 25-mile halo uh, if this initiative passes. And, you know, another good example is you look at Washington State, where uh, they didn't include home cultivation in that law. And then you've really seen a lot of support grow in the legislature, and you've really, you know, you're seeing an evolution there where it's going to be allowed. So we're we're really just trying to make sure we can end prohibition as quickly as possible and have reasonable laws and room for improvement. Excellent. Now, uh, another consideration, after we legalized in Colorado and Washington State, we saw reports that, yeah, the possession uh, uh, collars went down, but there's all sorts of collars now for public toking, you know, uh, public consumption. And in the Nevada law, you've got a public toking penalty that's a misdemeanor with a $600 fine. Uh, that's a little concerning because uh, sometimes our, our our friends in the in the uh, in the racial justice movements will tell us those public toking tickets are going to go or misdemeanors are going to go more likely to people of color. You know, absolutely. Unfortunately, what we see are are typically more people in communities of color being arrested for every type of crime mm. because there tends to be larger law enforcement presences in those communities. Uh, I'm not entirely, I'm not 100% uh, certain on all of the details of the Nevada public consumption section, but I do know that Nevada does, is written in a way where we'd be able to allow for consumption, social use in designated areas. And that's really one of the things that we also are, are trying to make sure is going to be possible in all of these states. We want to make sure that Adults will have places where they can use marijuana socially so that it's not a matter of using it illegally on the street or in their home because sometimes people don't have a home where they're able to use it or they're visiting town or what have you. Another uh, aspect of these laws, I was looking at the Arizona Crimla and the Massachusetts Crimla, and both of them have uh, moved the regulation of cannabis, uh, both medical and commercial, into one agency. And set up a situation where if the uh, if the state doesn't get around to licensing pot shops, the dispensaries can start selling to all adults, like what we did here in Oregon with our early sales. Uh, why did you do it that way in Arizona and Massachusetts, but not Nevada, to give people the possibility if you know Nevada doesn't get its act together that we have a place to shop? You know, I honestly don't know the answer um, because I wasn't the one that does the drafting of these initiatives. I could certainly look into it. But, you know, when these laws get drafted, a lot of it entails dealing with local attorneys, local businesses, uh, a lot of talking to a lot of local and, and state officials and trying to determine what's going to work best and what's going to be the most palatable to the voters there. I believe that, uh, you know, Right now, and you know, you look at Colorado. The way that it was written was that it gave localities the ability to move forward if the state didn't get its act together. And fortunately, we saw the state get its act together, and the state really got things done out here in Colorado. And and we're going to really hope and expect to see that occur in these other places. So far, that's been the case in in all of these states, like Colorado, Washington, Alaska, and as you even pointed out in Oregon, where the state took it upon itself to move things forward faster than it needed to to begin with. 
Yeah, it, good things can happen in the aftermath of legalization. We're speaking to Mason DeVert from Marijuana Policy Project, and I wanted to point another couple of good things that are happening, uh, some trends that are developing in these initiatives. Uh, in the Arizona Kremla, you've uh, added this protection for consumers' rights that the state cannot punish people for the presence of metabolites in their system. Uh, so is that going to invalidate Arizona's uh, metabolite per se DUID law? That's our understanding, and, and you know, it's really one of the most absurd types of laws when you're punishing people for driving while impaired when they haven't even used marijuana in the past several hours or even several days or, in some cases, several weeks. And so that was uh, certainly put in there with the intention of ensuring people who are not impaired are, are not being punished for driving. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, another great uh, trend here, Nevada, Arizona, and Massachusetts leave the possibility open for adult consumption lounges. Maine mandates it. There will be adult consumption lounges. That's great progress. And can, t- can you give us an update on the progress uh, in Colorado? I know you guys were working on that in Denver. Yeah. So in Colorado, it is still something being discussed. We had brought forward an initiative here in the city of Denver to allow for adult consumption in specific types of areas. Uh, that were only open to people 21 and older. And basically the city said that they wanted to work with us on it. And then we had also some of the very large business groups like the Colorado Restaurant Association, the Hotel and Lodging Association, the Downtown Partnership, come out and say that they also wanted to see a, a solution. And so we decided to withdraw that initiative and work with the city because we have a history here in Denver of passing laws that when the city isn't behind, city officials are not behind them, they don't really like to implement them. Uh, for example, in 2005, we passed a measure making possession legal. In 2007, we made possession the lowest law enforcement priority. And those were not things city officials wanted, and so they really resisted. And rather than see that happen here again with this, if the city is, you know, they said that they're committed to working with us, we are going to try to get that to, to happen. And if it doesn't, we'll be able to go and put something on the ballot and get it done. But right now, it's something being talked about with city officials, and it's also something being talked about at the state level. And there will likely be at least one or two proposals uh, when it comes to having a state law, whether it's a matter of having licensed uh, lounges or licensed businesses that can do this, or whether it's allowing adults to consume in certain types of already licensed businesses like bars or what have you. Um, But it's moving forward. And then, of course, in Alaska, we recently saw the rules created there to establish a specific license for marijuana retail stores that will allow for on-site consumption. That's great news, and we're also seeing uh, protections being added, more protections for consumers, including uh, uh, protection of family rights, uh, child custody, parental rights, adoption, organ transplants, medical procedures. These aren't in all of the bills, but they're, they're starting to be added. We really appreciate you guys at MPP for thinking of us that way. Mason DeVert's the Communications Director for Marijuana Policy Project, and you can find out more at MPP.org. Thanks, Mason, and happy holidays to you. Thanks so much, Russ. India. All right. Stay tuned, folks. When we come back, we'll have a little bit more to look at these different initiatives. I'll give you some of the details and highlight the best and the worst of legalization in 2016. I'm Radical Russ. We're back right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
this is Radical Russ encouraging you to take a look at the Weed Blog every day. Johnny Green and the staff at the Weed Blog are on top of all the latest developments in the fight to end marijuana prohibition nationwide. You can even get the Weed Blog on your smartphone by installing the Weed Blog app for iPhone and Android. If it's about weed, it's on the Weed Blog, including my original writing. So don't delay. Read the Weed Blog today. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment. Okay, maybe you're high too. MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on MJWellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out MJWellness.com today. what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant. Today in the rant, we're examining the five different legalizations that are likely to make the ballot in 2016. There could be some more, but these are the four presented by the Marijuana Policy Project in Nevada, Arizona, Massachusetts, and Maine and the Sean Parker Initiative in California. So we're going to go down the list here, and if you want to follow along, this is available at MarijuanaPolitics.com. I've posted it as the Marijuana Politics Guide to 2016 Marijuana Legalization, or something to that effect. And I've made it a nice handy table for you, not just of the five states that will legalize, but of the four states and D.C. that already have legalized. So you can kind of compare and contrast and see how these things are evolving. So first of all, let's get to the basics. Possession. How much can you possess? All of the states that are looking to legalize in 2016 would let you possess an ounce of marijuana, except Maine. Maine will let you allow (laughs) Maine will allow you to possess up to two and a half ounces of marijuana. Now, all of those include however much concentrate you're going to possess. Okay. So when we get to the concentrate limits, you also have to like, if you're allowed eight grams of concentrate, like in California, then you can only have an additional 20 grams of flour. You don't get an ounce of flour and eight grams of concentrate. It's 28 ounces or 28 grams total. Eight grams of it can be concentrate. Okay. So that makes sure we're clear on that. Now, when it comes to regulating edibles and liquids, None of these states follow in the footsteps of Oregon and Washington by limiting edibles by weight or liquids by volume. In both those states, in the Pacific Northwest, you can have a pound of edibles and you can have uh, 72 ounces of liquids. All these other states and the other existing states allow you to have your possession limit in that product. So 
your plate of brownies, for example, could have up to an ounce of marijuana in them. And why I find that problematic is because if I got a cop questioning me about the brownies, I'd like them to be able to pull out a scale, weigh them, and when they come up to 14 ounces, say, all right, you're on your way. But if I'm in a state where it's an ounce in the brownies, that cop has to take the brownies so that they can be tested to find out how much marijuana is in them. And then I'm sitting on pins and needles wondering whether or not I'm going to get a a, a crime, (laughs) a criminal charge coming up against me. As far as possession of concentrate, all of these new states would allow you to possess concentrate. Five grams in Arizona or Massachusetts, seven grams in Nevada, eight grams in California. But in Maine, all two and a half ounces of your possession could be concentrate. Yeah, you could possess up to two and a half ounces of dabs. Are you kidding me? Now, if you end up possessing a little too much, maybe you're a little over your limit. What happens to you then? You know, very famously here in the state of Oregon, we had twice as much of our limit decrimmed and then up to four times of our limit, just a misdemeanor, right? So not only did we legalize a certain amount, but we also depenalized the amounts over that. Have the other states followed suit? Well, a couple have. In Arizona, possession between one ounce and two and a half ounces will end up being a $300 fine. In Massachusetts, possession of one ounce to two ounces will be a $100 fine. So both of those states will decrim twice as much as what you're allowed to possess. But in the other states, they remain with their current laws. So they went ahead and legalized up to an ounce or two and a half in Maine. But after that, they just left what the criminal laws are. So the criminal law in Maine says that you can ha- that up to a pound is a crime with six months to a year. In California, anything over an ounce is a misdemeanor with six months and $500 fine. And in Nevada, anything over an ounce could be felony with intent to sell with a mandatory one year and up to four years in prison. How about possession felonies? If you go way over your limit, is it possible to get a felony? It's impossible in the state of Oregon. There is no possession felony anymore. So Massachusetts and California have gone ahead and gotten rid of all possession felonies. There will be no possession you can have. I mean, absent conspiracy, intent to sell, you know, all those kind of things. But if it's just mere possession, no amount you can have in Massachusetts or California that'll get you a felony. In Arizona, if you have more than two and a half ounces, you'll end up getting a felony. In Maine, if you have more than a pound, you'll get a felony. And again, in Nevada, anything over an ounce can be a felony, uh, depending on the circumstances. How about cultivation? Well, all of these states are going to allow you to plant six plants, except Nevada if you're within 25 miles of a pot shop. That's that pot shop halo, which Mason Tavert just explained to us was necessary for political reasons. Arizona and Massachusetts, or I'm sorry, excuse me, California will only allow you to have six plants per household. It's not per adult, it's per household. In Arizona and Massachusetts, they let you have six plants per adult, but a limit of 12 plants in the household. And in Maine, you can have six mature plants, 12 immature plants, and that's, that's non-flowering plants over two foot tall, veg, right? 
and unlimited seedlings. That's non-flowering plants below two foot tall. And as far as I can tell in this initiative, no household limit. So every adult in the household could have six mature, 12 veg and unlimited seedlings. But there is a weird twist. Every plant that you grow at home has to be tagged with your name and driver's license number. doesn't say you have to buy a state tag or anything like that. It's not a registration or anything like that. You just have to go get twisty ties and, you know, write down your name and driver's license number on all your plants. How about when you cultivate those plants and you harvest them? Well, unlike Oregon and uh, I think maybe Oregon's the only one. In Oregon, we allow you to possess eight ounces of your harvest. Well, you get four plants, so that means two ounces per plant. And I know a lot of people that grow a whole lot more than that. Every other state that's going to legalize marijuana has got this figured out and allows you to possess the results of your harvest. Now, that virtually means unlimited possession at home if you're home growing. Because, you know, how much did you harvest? You could have harvested a whole bunch. I got six pounds sitting here. Well, I've had, you know, X number of harvests. But the law in Massachusetts takes it one step further. Not only can you possess the results of your harvest, you can also possess another 10 ounces. It allows you to have 10 ounces possession independent of whether or not you're growing at home. For all the rest of these people, it might be tough if you're not growing at home. Although you could say I was growing and I got rid of my lights and everything. So that's the breakdown for our concerns as consumers. In um, Nevada and uh, Massachusetts, or I'm sorry, I should say in uh, I should say when you're when you're uh, cultivating your marijuana in any of those states, could it be possible? to get busted if you grow too much in California's adult use of marijuana act. It's a $250 fine to grow more than your six plants or have them seen in public, but no criminal penalties that I can find in Massachusetts. If people can see your plants, it's a $300 fine. And if you're growing up to twice your limit, it's just a $100 fine. So they've decrimmed up to double the number of plants you're cultivating. But in Nevada, growing too much remains a misdemeanor for the first three offenses and a felony with the fourth offense. In Arizona, growing too many plants is a felony. And in Maine, growing too many plants will be a crime with one to ten years that you can get busted. Next would be the personal use clubs. Will you be able to go light up a joint in a marijuana lounge? Absolutely in the state of Maine. It is guaranteed they have it in their licensing scheme. The rest of the states could permit it. Uh, California could permit it. Massachusetts might permit it. Nevada might permit it. And Arizona might permit it, but can't until 2020. So there's kind of a moratorium until 2020. As far as public toking, you get caught uh, toking in a non-smoking zone. You get a $100 fine in Maine, a $300 fine in Arizona. California and Massachusetts specify a $100 fine, but also add a new open container law. If you're busted with an open container of weed in a car, you get a $250 fine in California, a $500 fine in Massachusetts. And then in Nevada, it remains a misdemeanor, a crime to get caught 
toking in public with a $600 fine. Marijuana DUIDs, well, Nevada retains its law, which is a 2 nanogram THC in blood or a 5 nanogram metabolites in urine gets you an automatic DUID. As far as California, Maine, and Massachusetts, they have to go by impairment, so there's no per se DUID of any sort. And in Massachusetts, their law does not have implied consent for a blood or urine specimen. So you can actually refuse the test. Arizona's got one of the worst per se DUID laws in the nation where any amount of metabolite gets you a DUI. But as we were speaking with Mason Tavert, there's a clause in the legalization there that says that the state cannot punish people for metabolites. And that would supersede their DUID law. So it's actually going to get better in Arizona. Marijuana delivery is not specified. Uh, It could be approved in Arizona in 2020. And California will allow marijuana deliveries, but Maine, Massachusetts, and Nevada will not. In all the states except Maine, your boss can still fire you based on marijuana metabolites. But Maine has a special protection for your employment rights. You cannot be denied employment simply for metabolites. Similarly, Maine protects your housing rights. You cannot be denied housing because of your use of marijuana. In all the other states, landlords can ban smoking and cultivation in their properties. Child custody is protected in Maine, Massachusetts, and Arizona. Organ transplants are protected in Arizona and Massachusetts. And that's about everything we're going to cover for today because we're running out of time uh, for hour one. Thanks for joining us. Again, you can pick this up at MarijuanaPolitics.com. Check it out. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com and Rolla J Studios, I'm Radical Russ. Stay tuned for hour two, Toker Talk Radio, live on CannabisRadio.com. And until next time, take care of each other, Tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down. No voice. Visit worldwildlife.org. Now it's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tow. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Poplin, Oregon, at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971 
533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Gonta Graphics, the sultan of Sativa Statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. Welcome back, Tokers and Toquettes, for our final hour of 2015. Yeah, that's right. We're taking a two-week vacation, long, long overdue vacation. And we'll be back at the top of the year with plenty plenty more new stuff to listen to. You may have heard some of the new liners that I've gotten recorded. Big thanks to Dan Michaels out there in Fargo. DanMichaelsAudio.com. He's the voice. He is my announcer voice, man. I love his voice. What a great voice he's got there. Just kind of feeling a little run down, you know, because uh, after all, I am a, I'm a stoner sloth. I, I just got all that terrible, terrible slothiness going on. You can, you can, can you hear the slothiness? Delilah. Yes. Hands down, Delilah. <laughs> <laughs> If you missed hour one, I'm talking about the You're Worse on Weed campaign coming out of the government of New South Wales in Australia. You're Worse on Weed, hashtag stoner sloth. It's the funniest damn thing. (laughs) This is uh, right up there with all the best uh, 80s and 90s anti-pot ads, man. You got to check it out. You can go to stonersloth.com.au, you know, for Australia, if you want to see the videos. <laughs> Poor Stoner Sloth. He's still bummed out that he missed out on uh, that the part of Chewbacca. That's why, that's why Stoner Sloth is so upset. Speaking of Chewbacca, anybody out there seen uh, Star Wars yet? Seen the new Star Wars flick? It's across the street at the Roseway Theater, right outside of Rolla J Studios. They've got a noon matinee that I might uh, take in tomorrow. Uh, That'll be a lot of fun. Looking forward to the new Star Wars stuff. But uh, coming up on hour two here in the show, we got to talk about weed, marijuana, pot, ganja, herb. We're also going to talk about drugs. And I always like to make the point that marijuana is not a drug. Now, if you want to be, you know, pedantic about it, well, any substance that causes the human body to react in such a way and alters the mental state is a drug. Okay, okay. But if you want to be that expansive about your definition of drug, you need to start understanding some things are drugs that you're not calling drugs, like sugar. Sugar is a drug. Oh, my God, is sugar a drug? You don't think sugar's a drug? You don't think sugar's a drug? Send me your three-year-old kid. Let me give him some Mountain Dew and uh, some candy, and let's see <laughs> see how much the sugar kicks in. And the caffeine, of course, on the Mountain Dew, too, right? See, that's the thing is that 
And I think I think I saw something about this, like a campaign that was coming up on Drug Policy Alliance, and I'll, I'll take a second look at it. But we need to make the point that we are a species that takes drugs. We are a drug-taking species. It's it's in our nature to take drugs. That it's 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 as natural as urination, defecation, and sex, and crying, and orgasms, and everything. Right? It's it's a natural function for us to want to get altered. You see it as early as five, six years old when little kids learn that they can spin around and get dizzy. They can find that they can alter their perception, their consciousness. And absolutely, sugar is addicting. Absolutely, sugar is harmful when abused. Absolutely, sugar changes your mental state. But see, the thing is, is that's not what, you know, the the drug warriors, they don't want to, they want to have it both ways. They want to be able to say, well, marijuana is a drug because ah, it causes a change, right? Even though we have an endocannabinoid system and all of this, this drug really isn't changing anything. The molecule isn't really changing. It's, it's, it's activating our receptors in a way that our natural endocannabinoid system does as well. Not changing anything. Now, boosting something, sure. No, we're boosting what our endocannabinoid receptors do, but we're not changing anything. So, so marijuana, to me, belongs in a category. And, and typically, you know, when people think about this, they think about it as hard drugs and soft drugs, right? To me, marijuana and coca leaf and opium poppy and amaridium muscaria mushrooms and ergot, right? All those kind of things. Those are plants or fungi or molds, right? Those are natural things. When mankind gets a hold of them and processes them and purifies them and alters them, now you've created a drug. So marijuana's a plant, but concentrates are a drug. Coca leaf is a plant, but cocaine is a drug. Opium poppies are plants, but heroin is a drug. Ergot is a mold. Or a, isn't it a mold? I think it is. But LSD is a drug. You get my point? It's like once we purify it for a specific purpose, now we've turned it into a drug. But the plants and the fungus and the molds and the, and the naturally occurring substances are part of nature, as are we. Mankind isn't distinct from nature. We are a part of it. And those things evolved for a purpose. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The son of a Polish immigrant who grew up in a Brooklyn tenement. He went to public schools, then college, where the work of his life began, fighting injustice and inequality, speaking truth to power. He moved to Vermont, won election and praise as one of America's best mayors. 
In Congress, he stood up for working families and for principle, opposing the Iraq War, supporting veterans. Now he's taking on Wall Street and a corrupt political system, funded by over a million contributions, tackling climate change to create clean energy jobs, fighting for living wages, equal pay, and tuition-free public colleges. People are sick and tired of establishment politics, and they want real change. Bernie Sanders, husband, father, grandfather, an honest leader, building a movement with you to give us a future to believe in. I'm Bernie Sanders, and I approve this message. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals, or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Welcome back, everyone. 12 after the hour here at Rolla J Studios in beautiful, legal Potland, Oregon. Winding down here, 2015. Stay tuned later. Top of the hour, Stoner Jesus will be joining you. You you shall be blessed. Uh, But it's not safe for work. Let me just warn you. (laughs) If you're like, oh, Stoner Jesus, it's like a religious show. Well... Yeah, kind of. <laughs> it's hilarious. Check it out. Stoner Jesus at stonerjesus.net and here on cannabisradio.com. Also, coming up later tonight on 420radio.org, the Herb Thrasher Flower Hour. Herb's coming into the studio, and we've got two hours. His Top metal picks for 2015. Herb's got his finger on the pulse of metal music like nobody else I know. And if you like it hard and fast, if you like it shredding and pounding, that sounds like Stoner Jesus' show. Uh, If you like it like that, uh, tune in at 8 o'clock tonight, 11 o'clock Eastern Time on 420radio.org. I'll be there co-hosting with Herb Thrasher for the Herb Thrasher Flower Hour. And that reminds me, I need to, like, mention that again to folks, because, like, you may have been joining us for the shows and wondering, hey, what happened to the the 20 after Daily Toker tunes? Well, what's going on? Why, why don't we get Herb Thrasher calling in? Why don't we get Electric Bob calling in, Gordon Green and all those guys? Well, the reason is, is because we are experiencing a a divergence, a split, if you will. I'm moving over to CannabisRadio.com. And CannabisRadio.com is the home of all 
the internet's best marijuana talk radio shows, right? But I'm also the owner of 420radio.org. And I don't want to own and run a radio network, a talk radio network to compete with the talk radio network that I'm now on. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? But I also love 420radio.org because number one, it's automated. Like it, it costs me nothing. Well, I mean, it's, there's some expenses. I've got bandwidth and all that stuff, right? But I mean, effort-wise, it costs me nothing to run the thing. It's all automated script. It's all automated software. And then the people who make the shows, they just do them as podcasts and, and those are automatically played, right? So why get rid of it? I mean, it's not costing me much to keep it running. So what we're doing, and I'm working with Herb Thrasher on this and, and basically transitioning 420radio.org into an all music station. And we've already got an app for it. If you go out to the uh, iTunes store or the uh, uh, Android store or Windows phone or even BlackBerry, for God's sake, we've got an app out there. It's the Nobex radio app that we just built for 420radio.org. So starting in January, it's going to be a 24-hour music stream, right? So if you're, you know, trimming or working or driving, and you forgot your apostrophes, you can just turn on 420radio.org and get a steady stream of weed-related music and shows. So we'll still have the Herb Thrasher Flower Hour. We'll still have Big Daddy Fink's Funky Roller Rink, Gordon Green's Music Planet, Electric Bob's Boogaloo, the new Viper Hour. We might bring bring Bacon Dan on for a new classic rock show. We might bring on Chuck Diesel for a new uh, rapper hip-hop show. The the possibilities are endless. And the goal is to uh, evolve 420 Radio into being kind of the Muzak of dispensaries and hemp fests and events and all that, right? That anybody anywhere could just turn on the radio app and get weed-friendly music, DJed by actual tokers. So that's what's happening. And if you're interested, if you'd like to have a music show, I mean, we could use a country show. We could use like a, a folk show would be awesome. If somebody knew about classical music, I'd put a classical music show on. And with all the shows, the music doesn't have to be specifically about weed. I'd like more than half of it to be about weed. Like 51% has to be, you know, uh, gin and juice, you know, Snoop Dogg gin and juice or, you know, all the weed songs that I play here on, on, on the network. But the other half could be songs about freedom or other drugs or drinking or partying or, or whatever that fits that kind of 420 vibe. So if you're interested in that, let me know. I'm RadicalRuss at gmail.com, and I'll hook you up with Herb Thrasher, and we can make it all happen. All right, let me bring you some drug news. We've got some drug news, some really good drug news. <laughs> Remember Pharma Bro? Remember that guy? Martin Shkreli. Shkreli sounds like a bad guy in the Fantastic Four. But anyway... No, that's the scrolls. Never mind. Uh, Martin Shkreli. You remember this? You remember this dude, right? Uh, the whole country uh, got upset at this guy because he is a hedge fund manager, dude. He was he was a hedge fund guy, and then he went and bought a pharmaceutical company. Okay, and he made the news because he boosted the price 
of a drug called Daraprim. Daraprim is a drug that fights toxoplasmosis. Toxoplasmosis is a particular kind of parasite that a healthy person, you pretty much kick its ass, right? It, your immune system kills it, right? But if you're not a healthy person, if you're a com- compromised person, if you got AIDS, and that's what most people that take Daraprim are taking it is because they've got AIDS and then they get this toxoplasmosis, right? Uh, toxoplasmosis, by the way, is why pregnant women shouldn't handle cat feces. Not like you're going to be juggling cat turds or anything, but, you know, changing litter boxes and stuff because cats transmit that to- that uh, toxoplasmosis, right? So AIDS patients get this toxoplasmosis and then they take this pill, Daraprim. It's one of the it's like the only drug that fights this toxoplasmosis, right? The company that originally made it made it in like 1952. It's it's an old drug and made it and sold it for about a buck a pill. And so great. You're helping people for a buck a pill. Now, a few years ago, a few years ago, a different pharmaceutical company bought the rights to Daraprim and they jacked up the price. They jacked it up from a buck a pill to thirteen fifty a pill. I can't do reefer comedy. I'm drunk. Two different animals. Now it's 20 after, so we have to take our mandated safety briefing. When we come back, we'll tell you just how Martin Shkreli pissed off the whole nation and how he just got his comeuppance. Oh, I love this story. We're back right after this. Happy 420 on the West Coast. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your Cannabis 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPAs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. You're not high. You're listening to The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. July 1st, 2015, adult marijuana prohibition came to an end in Oregon. Immediately, over 400,000 adults who consume cannabis responsibly were no longer criminals. 
This is what freedom sounds like. Brought to you by Portland Normal. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I do not like them, Sam. I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Welcome back, everyone. 24 after the hour. Hope you had a good 420 break. Before we went on break, we were talking about Martin Shkreli. Martin Shkreli. Uh, now, this drug Daraprim uh, for AIDS patients who are suffering from toxoplasmosis. Originally sold for a buck a pill. Another company bought it, jacked the price up to thirteen fifty a pill. But that's not when you heard the outrage. I mean, right off the bat, right there, you ought to think, well, wait a minute, going from a buck to thirteen fifty? <laughs> what the hell? But no, that wasn't it. Martin Shkreli this year, this was back in September, bought the rights from that other company for this drug, Daraprim, and jacked the price up from thirteen fifty to seven hundred fifty dollars a pill. What? Yeah, seven hundred fifty bucks a pill. Just unconscionable right and then when he was called on it he made some excuses about well we need the money for research and we want to have better drugs for these people and it wouldn't really affect them because it would be the insurance companies paying it and the hospitals and blah 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 just bullshit 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 this this guy 32 year old guy already richer in hell right more money than i'm ever going to see in my life swimming in dough this is the guy, by the way, Shkreli was the guy who bought the new Wu-Tang album for $2 million. Did you hear that story? Yeah, the Wu-Tang Clan rap group, right? With like, you know, 70, 80 members. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they got a lot of guys. It's not 70 or 80. But anyway, Wu-Tang Clan, which by the way, ain't nothing to fuck with. The Wu-Tang Clan recorded this album and I, literally... This album, they recorded an album of which there is just one. There's one album. That's it. No other pressings, no other recordings, no MP3s, no downloads, one copy. And, you know, this is a big stunt. Like, we're going to make this one album and it's just this legendary stuff. And who's going to buy it? And so somebody bought it for two million bucks. And for a few weeks, it was like, who bought the album? Nobody knows who bought the. It was Shkreli. Martin Shkreli. So here's a guy who can drop too large, large, <laughs> but too large is 2000, right? What do you call million? Two? No, I don't know. Guy can drop 2 million bucks on an album. This guy doesn't need to raise the price of an AIDS drug to 750 bucks a pill. He's got enough money. This is one of the things about America that kind of just 
it irks me, right? I love our capitalist system. I love that people can work hard and get ahead, generally speaking, with a whole lot of caveats, and especially if you're not white or male, but I know. But, you know, it's kind of like, uh, what was it, Churchill who said democracy was the worst option for government except for all the others? <laughs> well, capitalism's the worst uh, option for economies except for all the others, right? The same idea applies. I love that. I love that we have this system where we can work hard and succeed and get ahead and own our own businesses and engage in commerce and all that. I love it. I love it. I love it. But there's got to be a point where you just got too much money. You're just a greedy bastard and your greed is becoming a problem for the rest of us. You know that thing when they talk about civil rights, they say, well, your right to swing your fist ends where my nose begins, right? This idea that, yeah, you have rights until your rights start to infringe on others. Well, why does that not apply economically? There's a point at which your greed starts to affect others in a very, very bad fashion. Now, it used to be, used to be there was this government, you see, that would tax the rich, kind of redistribute some of that wealth. Hell, back in the Eisenhower administration, back in the 50s, the top marginal tax rate on rich folks was 91%. And we, we had this collective feeling in America like, you know what's a bad idea is if like there's only a few people with a whole shit ton of money. That's a bad idea. You know, yes, people should be able to get rich, but not to the point where they make it impossible for other people to get rich. And government kind of acted like this counterbalance. You know, it's like when I think of an economy and a society, I think of it like an organism, right? It wants to reproduce and thrive. It wants to consume so it can reproduce and thrive. It's an organism. But what happens when you let, say, the bunny rabbits reproduce without any natural predators to cull them down a bit, right? Well, I'll tell you what happens in Eastern Oregon or Eastern Idaho. Back when I was a kid, we used to have bunny bashing. I know this sounds awful, but really they would gather together dozens and dozens and dozens of people of all ages with baseball bats and clubs to run through the fields and kill bunnies, smack them in the head and kill them, kill as many as you can. Cause they're just an infestation. There was just thousands and thousands and millions of rabbits and what are you going to do? Can't poison them because other critters would eat the poison. So, yeah, look it up. G Google it, man. This is a thing in Idaho. Bunny bashing. <laughs> I'm not. This is not a snipe hunt. This is for real. <clears throat> so I think of that when it comes to an economy, when it comes to a society, right? If, if the bunnies have no wolves, eventually the bunnies eat everything up and they fuck a lot and they create more bunnies and they eat a lot and they fuck a lot. And before you know it, you're overrun with bunnies and eventually... The bunnies eat themselves out of existence because there's nothing left to eat, right? Bad for everybody. Well, I, I think of that bunny bashing and I think of that phenomenon when I think of capitalism and corporations, right? It's great to have corporations just like bunnies are nice and fluffy and wonderful. But there's a point where if there's not a natural predator out there, that prevents these things from growing and growing and growing in, in scope and size, 
then it becomes harmful to the environment and everything else around. That's the way I always thought of the balance in our politics. And that's also where left and right come in, Democrat and Republican come in for me, is that the Democrats were the ones that were on the government side and, you know, curbing the excesses of business. And the Republicans were the ones that were on the business side, curbing the excesses of government, right? Don't let government get too regulatory or too spying on us. And then the, that's the Republicans' job. And the Democrats' job is don't let business get too big and too rich and, and start running our country. But somewhere around 1980, we, the, the Republican side kind of won and installed these themes in our minds of government's evil, the, the worst nine words in the English language. I'm from the government. I'm here to help you. Tell that to someone sitting on a roof uh, in the Hurricane Katrina, right? <laughs> they would have loved to have seen their government come to help them, Ronnie. But this idea came that government was evil. It was bad. It was the enemy. And business in and of itself, per se, was good. Anything about business was good. It was all good. And then that won elections long enough that when Bill Clinton came around, the guy who was on the Democrat side, the side that curbs those excesses of business, he he was more interested in winning elections and kind of triangulated to the middle. And we got that new Democratic DNC kind of thing where now both of the parties are on that corporate side. And nobody's standing for the government to be the, the brakes on this economy or, 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 or this system. They're both over there on that side, and, we, and we're out of balance. Anyway, I, I went on that long tangent. <laughs> Sorry about that. Went on that long tangent because we're talking about this Martin Shkreli guy. Some good weed today, folks. But uh, by the way, the weed today is, um, is uh, Northern Wreck. It's a Northern Lights train wreck uh, hybrid uh, tested out at 27% THC. So that's uh, your tangent today brought to you by Northern Wreck, <laughs> courtesy of, where did I buy this one? I bought this one at uh, Nectar on Sandy. Anyway, Shkreli today <laughs> was arrested and indicted by the Securities and Exchange Commission for security fraud, the U.S. attorney alleges that the 32-year-old Shkreli used profits from his old firm, his old head, his old firm Retrofin, as a personal piggy bank to pay investors in his hedge fund. So uh, Martin Shkreli may end up going to prison, where he can listen to his Wu-Tang album over and over and over. And over again. Doesn't that feel good, man? Sometimes there is karma. Sometimes there is justice. And this picture, it's in the New York Post of Shkreli. He's in a, he's in a gray hoodie. <laughs> and uh, yeah, let's hope this guy does some serious time. Oh, and by the way, uh, not wishing that he's raped in prison. I just Here's another tangent. Folks, please stop that stuff with the jokes about, oh, he's going to get a foot long. You know, Jared from Subway, he's going to get a foot long in prison. Uh, let's stop making a joke about that. Prison, nothing funny about prison rape. And considering how so many cannabis consumers and cultivators end up going to prison, it's nothing funny about it. So let's uh, let's stop joking about that. All right. Um, 
Coming up, I want to get into some more of the marijuana news. We're going to talk about some of the news stories that uh, we spoke about earlier in the headlines, particularly this Postal Service directive that says uh, we can't advertise for marijuana or marijuana-related items and send those periodicals through the mail. How is that going to affect things? And speaking of periodicals, the latest edition of the Oregon Cannabis Connection is out, the December-January issue, Volume 6, Issue 6. This is the basically the newspaper for the uh, Oregon cannabis community. And, and there I am, on the cover of the uh, Oregon Cannabis Connection, the Radical Russ Belville interview. It's right there in the Oregon Cannabis Connection. Pick one up at your local Oregon dispensary. Also, I uh, want to talk a little bit about the uh, Warm Springs tribe here in Oregon, which has voted to begin cultivating marijuana and selling it at their own stores. Good news, more good news, especially considering, I believe, the Warm Springs tribe might be smack dab in the middle of uh, one of those areas that wants to ban marijuana. So we'll see how that works out. We're also sitting here with an open phone line at 971-533-7111. As always, if you have comments, concerns, questions, just let me know. 971-533-7111. My Boise State Broncos playing in the Poinsettia Bowl this Wednesday against the Northern Illinois Huskies. Should be a good game. Looking forward to it. I don't know if I'll be watching it from Idaho or from Oregon, but it'll be a good one. We're back right after this short break. Stay tuned. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. It's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. The Russ Belleville Show, providing dictionaries to drug czars since 2009. You know Herb Thrasher from the Herb Thrasher Flower Hour. Now get ready for Herb Age Designs for the proud cannabis consumer. Herb Age Designs, lifestyle gear for the 420 friendly. Herb Age Designs, we've got frisbee golf discs and durable hemp gear. Herb Age Designs, we've got shot glasses, drinking glasses, coffee mugs, and beer cozies. Check us out on Facebook and online at HerbAgeDesigns.com and follow HerbAge and Herb Thrasher on Twitter. It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. 
A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I said, on this program, what do they want? My grandchildren and the monster. Did I scare you? Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Welcome back, everyone. 40 after the hour. I'm Radical Russ here at Rolla J Studios in beautiful legal Potland, Oregon. Looking forward to Marijuana Election Night 2016. It'll be my fifth straight coverage of Marijuana Election Night. And there could be five different states lined up or more. In addition to California, Massachusetts, Maine, Arizona, and Nevada, we could also get Ohio again. Sorry, Ian James, the guy who put together the uh, much lambasted Ohio Issue 3, vows to come back in 2016 with what he termed the most free market marijuana legalization ever. We'll see what happens. But uh, he's a guy got the money. And if you've got money, you can pay for signatures and you can get on the ballot. So we'll see how that turns out. Would love for that to happen. Also, um, we might get medical marijuana again in Florida working to make the ballot. And that's uh, John Morgan, another guy with some money. You could make that happen. Then there's... Um, a shot at Vermont. Vermont has uh, Vermont has a bill in its legislature to legalize marijuana. And then we've got um, Rhode Island. There's another state that might legalize through the legislature. And then Missouri might have an outside chance at a medical marijuana initiative. And Michigan still has a couple of groups putting together marijuana legalization. So... Who knows, man? We get Florida, Ohio, Missouri, Michigan. We could have another four states. We could have nine states voting by 2016. Well, actually, and then the Vermont and Rhode Island, they would be legislative, so there'd be no vote. But my goodness, it's happening fast, isn't it, people? Remember 
2010. <laughs> Remember losing Prop 19 and just how down we felt? It was like 46%. We lost in California. Oh, shit. If we can't legalize California, what are we going to do? It's just amazing how far we've come. And to this point, some folks are going to just have to understand better how the politics of these things work. I was glad to talk to Mason Tavert today because he brought up a point that too few people understand is that you have to get things passed. And in politics, sometimes you have to make these sacrifices or compromises to get things passed. I don't like that Nevada is going to have a no home grow halo. But having that means that some people will get to grow that didn't get to grow before. It does make it better at some level, doesn't it? And at this point, my baseline is Washington's I-502. Washington's I-502 was the most politically compromised legalization to date. And the argument behind that was that it was, you know, it was 2012. We had just lost legalization two years prior. The polls were showing bare support for legalization. 52, 53, not, you know, really promising stuff when you're talking about something so new and something so controversial. And they do this polling, folks, and, and it doesn't get released. This is the other thing. And, and sometimes I wish it would get released. I understand why they don't release it, but it would help our side. It would help our activists understand a little better why these things happen because they can do real detailed polling and say, if legalization had home growing it, would that change your opinion of the measure? Yes or no. And then how many points would you lose from that? If this measure had no per se DUID, would that change your opinion of it? And then they'll see how many points they get from it. And they do the calculations. They go, well, shit. If we put home grow in there and don't do something about stone drivers, this thing that only has 50, 52, 51% in the polls could fail. And then it passed, right? It passed by 55%. And that's what a lot of people in the activism side said, well, see, you didn't have to give up home grow and per se and put a per se in there. See, it passed by 5%. Well, yeah, it passed by 5% with a per se DUID and no home grow in it. Would not having those things have cost it five points and made it lose? It's hard to tell. Well, They'll, they'll return, well, Colorado passed it by 55 and they had home grow and no per se DUID right in Colorado. <laughs> Apples and oranges, folks, when it comes to the politics and the state and everything that's going on there. Colorado had had Mason Tavert down there since, what, 2004-ish? Pushing Denver low priority, Denver decrim, Denver legalization, Colorado legalization that failed, another initiative here. I don't remember how many he did down there. So the issue had been brought up time and time and time and time again in the legitimate political theater. So that when they got to the point of Amendment 64, passing it by 55%, 
they're ready to understand that you don't need a DUID. They, in fact, they had been battling that per se DUID that the legislature had been trying to put in. So they'd had that conversation too. And so, yeah, the people were ready to pass it by that. So you can't compare Colorado's 55 to Washington's 55. Washington's a different state. Washington is King County and then a whole bunch of everybody else. And so you have to do things differently there. But 502 to me now is the baseline. 502 is the baseline. If legalization is better than I-502, you got to vote for it. Because if 502 is your baseline, let's take a look at all the great things that have happened because of 502. The price of marijuana has collapsed in Washington State. I checked the prices on um, uh, Weed Maps the other day. Uh, the dispensaries in Seattle are selling ounces anywhere from 240 to 280 or I should say the pot shops, right? From 240 to 280. But across the river here in Vancouver, Washington, at Main Street Marijuana, the best-selling weed store in the state, I can get a half ounce for 60 bucks. It's going 60 to 75 bucks. You want to go to the top shelf, you can get your $75 half ounce. That works out to 150 bucks an ounce. That's phenomenal. And legalization in Washington state, even without home grow, even with a per se DUID, has resulted in two out of three people who would have been busted before not getting busted, not getting charged. And four out of five not getting convicted compared to the before legalization. And even with that awful per se DUID, we haven't seen a massive increase in per se DUIDs. So, You got 502 as your baseline, the worst legalization, and it's still kicking ass. It's still wonderful. So if there's a legalization on the ballot or coming on the ballot that's better than 502, the results are going to be even better than 502s. And I already pointed out earlier how there's so many new things in these legalizations that eclipse what we've done in the first few states. Protection for Employment, protection for housing, protection for education, protection for child custody, pot lounges, deliveries. It just keeps getting better and better. Now, there is this thread running through the marijuana movement, though, that is very anti this legalization. There are the stoners against legalization in every state who are complaining because it's being taken over by big marijuana or big money, or there's more restrictions or there's laws we have to follow and licenses now. And it's all about making money. And what about free the weed and let everybody smoke and blah, blah, blah. All the hippy dippy sentiment, right? There's a lot of that out there. And, and part of it, I believe stems from the fact that since marijuana has been, prohibited for so long since we've been outlaws for so long it's been encoded in our dna to distrust regulation to distrust law to distrust the system to distrust the man we're just filled with distrust in all of our systems that now we're invited to become a part of and for some people i think 
I think they don't see marijuana as as a thing. They don't see marijuana as a commodity, as a good. They ascribe to it more. They ascribe to it, you know, uh, deific qualities. That somehow the legalization of marijuana is supposed to solve, I don't know, racism and solve hunger and solve like all the ills of the world. It's that healing of the nations, man. That theory, this idea that somehow legalizing weed was supposed to end poverty. Somehow legalizing weed was supposed to end racism. Well, no. Here's what legalizing weed does. It ends the arrests of people who are using weed. Don't ascribe to it any more than that, because that's what it's about. It's not about saving our economy. Now, yeah, legalizing weed creates a whole bunch of new jobs, new businesses, tax revenue. But that's not its job. That's a that's a benefit we're getting from it. Legalizing weed's not about the money. Now, there are people making money on it. That's great. That's the side effect of legalizing. But whether or not legalization comes with guys making money or legalization are hippies sitting is hippies sitting in a field, it's the ending of the arrest that's important. It's the civil rights aspect that's important here. Let the money people make money. What what's why not? What's the problem? I wasn't dealing weed when it was illegal. I'm not going to be dealing weed when it's legal. You know, just live your life. But what's happened is some people live their life means living their life in the prohibited market. Living a farmer's work from home lifestyle, but making a drug dealer's profits. And legalization ends that. Legalization takes away this, the only magical quality of marijuana. The magical quality being that it's worth, it costs far more than it's really worth. It's a weed. It can be grown agriculturally in huge crops. There's no reason it should cost $300 an ounce. I guess I should rephrase that because, of course, weed's got magical qualities as far as medicine and healing and all that stuff. That's not what I mean. I mean magical in the sense of ridiculous or unexpected, okay? Absurd is where I, really a better word that I was going for. That's the absurd quality of marijuana. But when we legalize, that absurd quality goes away. It no longer becomes worth that much. It becomes another agricultural consumer good. And in that, it becomes another boring job. It becomes another, you know, who's excited about working at the potato plant? Anyone? Well, that's what weed becomes. You're working at the weed plant. You're working at the weed store. It just becomes farming. It just becomes a retail store. Now, yeah, it's a retail store you can enjoy. It's a farming life you can love because of all the good that weed does for people and and how much you enjoy it yourself and all of that. Just as I imagine an alfalfa farmer in Nebraska might have that feeling about alfalfa. All right, folks, in our government at work today, we're Oops, that's not to supposed to happen. U.S. Representative Jared I'm Mills. interrupting myself. That's so weird when that happens. But uh, that's reminding me that we got to get off the air because Stoner Jesus is coming up. So let's just wind things up here. So we give him five minutes to get on the air. 
Thanks for sticking with me here on the last day of our 2015 presentation. We'll be back in January, first Monday of January, whatever day that is. Guess that's, uh, oh, no, no, we'll be back January 4th. It's the first Monday in January. So we'll see you January 4th. For everyone at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. We love each and every one of you. Some of you more than others, but all of you just a little bit. You can always contact me, RadicalRuss at Gmail, and every other social media that's out there. Big thanks to Dan Michaels for the new audio. Shout out to my brother, Matty Kachu, who's missing a third of his colon now. <laughs> that's the damnedest thing. Happy holidays, everyone. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Introducing the YMCA. Sure, you know the Y for a swim or a game of hoops, but we're more than that. We're a cause. When you take a jump shot at the Y, someone else is getting job training. Practice yoga as a team practices her leadership skills. We give people of all ages, incomes, and backgrounds a chance to learn, grow, and thrive. So while you might think of the Y as the place for lifting weights, we're also about lifting entire communities. That's a Y. We're so much more. Visit ymca.net slash more. Six months from now, I'm going to be a dad. So there's one thing I want to change about me right now. I've tried before, but this time, I'll do it for me and the baby. I'll quit smoking for good. All right, folks, in our government at work today, we're pleased to be joined by U.S. Representative Jared Polis, a Democrat from Colorado. Representative Polis, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be on. You were elected in 2008, and you just won re-election in 2010, but you haven't been shy about calling for a need for uh, marijuana law reform. I got to meet you in person out there at KushCon in Denver. How has your stance on marijuana reform affected your interactions with your colleagues in the House? You know, what a great uh, what a great event that KushCon was as well. Uh, just a, a very successful trade show. It's exciting to see all the jobs and the, uh, the, the companies that are, that are being created in this sector. Um, you know, I, I find that a lot of members of Congress um, privately uh, agree uh, that we need to change our drug policy. They're just still too timid or scared to uh, come public with it. And uh, that's, that's kind of what I find. I, I, I don't find, I find very few that are kind of hardcore on the other side. Okay. And uh, looking forward to uh, work in the United States Congress, uh, as far as marijuana law reform goes, is is kind of uh, troubling sometimes at best uh, for us in the reform community, because we know how slow the gears grind there up on Capitol Hill. Uh, Representative uh, Barney Frank and Representative Ron Paul have been longtime stalwarts for reform in various arenas, from industrial hemp to medical marijuana. Uh, have you been working with those representatives, and do you have any plans to introduce federal legislation? 
Yes, we really have a growing group of, uh, of, of representatives that um, support decriminalization at the federal level and uh, changing the schedule of, of marijuana substance. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not a majority yet, but it's growing rather than shrinking. One of the things that I'm working on on the political front is uh, fearlesscampaign.org. Um, and if, if you go to fearlesscampaign.org, you can sign up. We're, we're basically creating a grassroots movement uh, towards changing our federal drug laws um, in one of the areas. It's, it's, uh, sorry, it's fearlesscampaign.org slash marijuana. Excellent, excellent. Now, you, of course, uh, representing the state of Colorado, we talked about the KushCon event that happened there in Denver. A lot of people, you know, around the country may not realize that it's Denver and not Los Angeles or any place in California that has the most uh, marijuana dispensaries per capita, I believe. So coming from an area that has so embraced the medical marijuana, uh, what what are you telling your uh, fellow legislators on Capitol Hill as far as what they can expect from medical marijuana in their state? Well, they can expect uh, jobs, they can expect reduced crime, they can expect uh, increased tax revenues, um, so they can expect to reduce suffering of patients. So, um, you know, that's the type of things that they can expect. When Colorado voters overwhelmingly passed a medical marijuana law, uh, the legislature took their responsibility pretty seriously and passed uh, laws to implement that. So there's a very, um, I mean, it's far from perfect, but compared to what other states are, there's a, a decent uh, regulatory structure here, uh, and, and there's a, a specific rules that the marijuana dispensaries have to play by, and it's really enabled uh, them to grow and flourish in the communities that allow them. We've had some communities that exercise their local discretion have chosen not to allow those kinds of businesses as well. Now, recently, uh, some of those regulations that have been passed in Colorado include a Senate Bill 1284 that came up with a lot of these new regulations uh, for dispensaries. Uh, how do you see these regulations playing out in Colorado? And 